Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the K-Pop Nerd Podcast, sponsored by Music Mind. Uh, we're back for our ninth episode today, and joining me on the air are Casey, Agla, Manhattan, Ploy, and Tanya. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Okay, so let's jump right into the comebacks that we have for today. A uh, comeback that I've been personally very excited for. Uh, Taeyeon came back with her second mini-album. Uh, we've all been really excited for that. Yeah, she came back with her second mini-album titled Why. Um, there were two tracks that she um, released. So she had Starlight as a pre-release, which we talked about um, last episode. And then she released Why. It debuted number two on Melon, and it's still within like the top 15 of the iChart. So that's doing good. She sold a ton physically. She sold over uh, 53,000 in her first week. Basically, she beat her record last year for I. The song's a mixture of EDM and R&B. One of the shocking things is that there's not a single um, ballad on the album. There's like a slow tempo song, but it's really not a ballad, which I thought was interesting because so it's the album overall is really summary. I didn't think Y would do that well in Korean, but it's doing fine. Is there a particular reason that you thought it wouldn't do well, or is it just it doesn't really suit Korea's taste typically? It doesn't suit Korea's taste typically, and in fact, she won for Starlight first on, I believe, Music Bank before she won for um, Y. So it's just inter- like so Starlight is just more of like Korea's taste, like coffee house ballad or yeah. music and. Also, Taeyeon's voice kind of, I don't know if it suits EDM that well. It's not bad. I like the song. Yeah, I like it. And um, I don't listen to Girls' Generation a lot, but I actually really like her solo stuff. I was kind of surprised by how much I liked it. Yeah, I think part of it definitely has to do with, I guess, expectations when it comes to an artist like Taeyeon. Her voice is very suited to the ballad-type song structure. She can really belt, and she has such clean runs when she gets up in her upper register. I like the song as well. I think I was surprised how committed they were to the concept <laughs> of pulling this this genre in for her. Um, but it was really cool to see her exploring this new side of her, uh, well, we'll call it her taste in music. Yeah, it seemed like she was having fun with it. I think another surprising thing is she danced. So we didn't see her dance for I because you can't dance to that. But um, for Y, she danced and she had like a couple dance in it and like fans went crazy or whatever. But I like her. Her dancing, it's fine. Yeah, it seemed like she put a lot of work into it. Listeners who are following Tiffany on Snapchat will have been able to see snippets of her concert. <laughs> you mean the whole concert? <laughs> Not the entire thing, but um, there, there was quite a bit on that Snapchat feed. <laughs> It's funny, because there's no cameras or phones allowed, but, you know. Oh, come on. Tiffany does what she wants, and so did um, Young. Yeah, you, you, try to, you try to be the, like, venue usher that tells one of the other Sonoshide girls that they can't film Taeyeon's concert. <laughs> it was fun to see that, that angle of the performance as well. And um, in particular, I, I thought that having Dean come out to perform Starlight with Taeyeon was excellent as well. That was a good move. And he also sang one of his songs by himself, too. I did see 
a snippet of that in the Snapchat feed as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Dean. So another comeback that I think has been one that is met with great anticipation is the Wonder Girls comeback. They came back with Why So Lonely. Uh, what did you guys think of this one? Well, um, personally, I thought that the song... Uh, well, the, the first time when I heard the teaser, I actually thought about um, G-Soul song, uh, Morley Morley, because both of them have a little bit of a reggae uh, vibe to it. But once you listen to them closely, you realize that they're actually extremely dif uh, different because um, um, the Wonder Girl song has a really um, low bass in the song and sort of like it, it underlines it and personally I, f I find it um, like to me it seems that the bass is like an echo of Wait, the wait, wait. Isla, it's oh. bass. Sorry. <laughs> bass is a kind of fish. Oh, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> okay, bass. Okay, sorry. Um, also, another thing, of course, is that the the entire album was uh, composed by the members because the title song is composed by Hedim Sanmi and Yubin together with Hong Jisang. And the other tracks are also uh, written by... Sunny, Yubin, Hirim, and Yeun. And actually, uh, the other track, the other two tracks in the album, in the single maybe, they they also feel like they have been composed for the summer. Something something easy and something really easy, uh, fun to listen to. Although you can see that uh, there was a lot of work um, thrown into this into these uh, compositions, and they really thought a lot about them. Um, I think music video making, uh, uh, Yeun said that they were actually going to release something a lot earlier, but they thought about um, working on their songs more so that they would uh, come out with something more substantial because this was a self-composed release. I'm kind of glad that they made that decision just because it shows that they, they really care about the finished products and they want to perfect the songs that they are writing themselves. Um, as a result, I saw that some fans were kind of disappointed just because it was only three songs. JYP Entertainment originally wanted a full album, but because they want to perfect what they're doing, they're like, no, this is, this is enough. And I feel like um, by reinventing themselves, they've reintroduced themselves into the K-pop scene. And there are plenty of younger K-pop fans who weren't around during the heyday of the Wonder Girls with like nobody being their huge hit. So they, they didn't quite know what the Wonder Girls were like, but now with the band version of Wonder Girls, they see that, oh, they're actually really talented and all that. I think it's um, not really something that happens often in K-pop. I thought it was interesting that it was actually released under Studio J and not just the, um, the main JYP label. So I wonder that if that's also why they have so much more control over the fact that there was only three songs on the album. So I thought that was really interesting and 
kind of shows, especially with JYP, like the direction that they're going in which they're giving their artists much more freedom and more control with what they're doing with their music, be it, you know, releasing only a mini album instead of the full album that the label initially wanted and just having so much more say in the kind of music that they're producing, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, I think it really has been a pleasure to see the Wonder Girls as a group and as individuals maturing as artists. I definitely remember, I mean, it's it's time for another anecdote. Um, <laughs> when I was working at JYP in JYP USA in 2009, that was my first experience interacting with the Wonder Girls. They were, I believe they were in the middle of their promotions of with, well, they had just begun their promotions in the United States. Um, so I remember putting together a bunch of Ikea beds for them in their dorm rooms <laughs> ahead of ahead of them coming to the States. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? Who, who are these people? What are they doing? Because this is my first time in K-pop as well. I've had many embarrassing moments with them, uh, not knowing who they are and not treating with the, them with the reverence or absolute adoration that they're used to. So I think we had a lot of funny interactions when we first met. But the one thing that kept coming back to me was just how dedicated they were to improvement. They liked to engage in conversation with me a lot because my Korean at the time was terrible. So they saw it as a good opportunity to force themselves to get better at English because that was a big part of what they were doing. Now that they're, you know, they've found this new identity in Korea, I don't imagine that that's a huge priority for them anymore, but whatever does become their priority, you can really see it in their work ethic. Um, and I think it's awesome that they've taken it on themselves to become truly artists, you know, in the finest sense of the word, writing their music and performing and getting across these concepts that are not easy to execute. Uh, so it's been a real pleasure seeing these girls who have worked so hard for it continue to you know, come back to the public with more every time. And I think it pays off for them. I think that the general K-pop public can see that they have a whole lot of talent, even more heart. It's really great. I'm happy for them. So now moving on to a release with an incredibly exciting music video. <laughs> Just a wonderful multimedia experience. Unnies came out with a fun video entitled Shut Up. What did you guys think of this one? Um, well, uh, first of all, I would like to make a disclaimer because I have not watched the show at all. I just watched the music video and um, read a lot of comments about uh, what whatever you could find about the members and the show and technically I I really liked it I mean uh, you can see that it is a very JYP style and even if he said that he has forgotten that he wrote that song and it was lying around somewhere <laughs> for quite some time I mean it's really fun and um, it's nice to see people who are not you know professional singers do something like that it was really popular. It got an all-kill. and was number one for a really long time. It beat out Show Me the Money. Oh, Finally. Wow. <laughs> Finally. It only took this song <laughs> to finally get something else to number one. Of all the songs to beat it, it was uneasy. I know, like, the process for recording, they didn't, or because it's, um, 
Min Hyorin's dream was to be like in a K-pop group. So she wanted her or Tiffany, even though Tiffany's the singer, I know that she wanted other, the other girls to have more lines than her since she's already a singer, so like they could stand out more than her. And I only know things about Tiffany, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I love and- it. <laughs> Sorry. I know Tiffany said that there was like a difference between working with, because she got to work with um, JYP directly, um, between like working with JYP and SM. She said that JYP is more about feeling and SM is more about like technique. So she said that was an interesting process. She also, when they were in the booth recording, she, like, nailed her singing the first try, but JYP kept trying to get her to do it again just because he wanted her to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and she looked really pretty. That's all. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) I gotta gotta say she looked really pretty in the music video. Thank you, Manhattan. You're welcome. Uh, Um... (laughs) That does sound like a very JY thing to do. I sat in on a lot of sessions where a lot of people in the room thought that the vocalist nailed the take, and then we'll be there for another 20 minutes or so getting alternates and different styles. And He's a very thorough man. I think that that's one of the characteristics that he has that has led to such great songs and great successes over throughout his career. Uh, it can be pretty tiring at times, just working in that setting, but that's definitely a characteristic of his uh, that he brings to the table in terms of music, recording, production, etc. Does anyone watch the show? I watched like the first three episodes, kind of. Again, I'm biased, so I watch like Tiffany cuts. Like, it just ignore me, guys. <laughs> but I like overall, like I did watch like some parts with like the other people, and they're funny. And it's rated number one in its time slot on Friday, and it's the first time it's an all female like variety show. So it's doing really good. That's great. They need more female led shows. They do. Yeah, I agree. I agree as well, and it's not just because I'm outnumbered on the podcast. <laughs> no, I really do think it's important. Uh, this may be going a little off topic, but Korea is one of the nations that has a very hard time when it comes to things like workplace equality, and Korea struggles very hard with institutional sexism, essentially. Uh, so I think it's important any opportunity that anyone in a public role has to be a leader as a, as a lady, a female, or a woman. It's very, very important because that's something that, honestly, I believe it's one of Korea's largest challenges. It's something that they desperately need to fix. Too many people who hold positions of power at the moment are still very set in their ways, uh, and I think it's a shame because otherwise, like, you know, every country has their challenges. Korea's challenge on this front is just so pronounced. It's something that has to change. Yeah, Actually, that's one of the reasons why I quite often don't watch variety nowadays, because like, at first you didn't notice, you don't notice it, but later on it, it gets really obvious. And another thing that it's not just about the producers and everything, it's about the audience too. And what I, what I myself find shocking quite often is the Korean women 
attitude towards um, all female variety shows too. They quite often they, there's some kind of hatred from women towards women, which I really don't understand. And um, they, of course, some, I think that sometimes they don't like the, the kind of variety shows because of of the theme and and the way that uh, they are edited and the way that topics are being handled. Handled, yes, but in general, yeah, it's not that just in, in my to my mind, it's just not just the um, the producers and then whoever is on top that has to change. I think that the change has to, you know, reach the audience too. Yeah, there's a lot of internalized misogyny that yes, people need thank to. You. Thank work you for the term. They probably don't even notice that they're doing it. So coming up next, we have a comeback for a group that, to my understanding, is quite popular. I have to admit that I don't know them very well, but I will shout out a member of the Snack Fever team. Sarah is crazy about Seventeen. Uh, I like the title of their song. Yes, very nice. Um, well, technically, this song is a title song for the Repackage album. The, uh, the Repackage... <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Uh, the repackaged version of Love Letter that was released um, six days ago. And the, uh, there are five new tracks, which obviously includes Very Nice, too. And well, personally, I was really surprised by the song because it's really fun. And although I am not also too familiar with Seventeen, but uh, I've, I've heard that they have, uh, they have been accumulating a pretty good following and they are known as the self-producing boy band or something like that because each of the members um, either contribute to composing or, or uh, dance dance choreography making or, or anything like or any of the sort so they also have a particular image that they're trying to uh, create and I find it really interesting to see because you don't um, encounter third uh, th 13, right? There are 13 of them. <laughs> there are 13, <laughs> 13 of them, 13. which is why I cannot hand over a stand card, because that is too many. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, I mean, every single member is, is working on something, and um, it's uh, a really commendable deed, not to mention that when uh, this repackaged version came out, it debuted on number four, Melon, and, you know, it was right below Beast and Show Me the Money. Yeah, they like saved Pletus from like dying, is what I get. It's my understanding. Is like they're the only group that gets promoted now, since Pletus is like broke and they bring in the most money. Yeah, I think um, I didn't know a whole lot about Seventeen before. Um, I just know that there's a from... one guy with really nice hair, and there's another guy oh, yeah. who's my my height, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I know, so, like, as much as, like, what I know is that there's, like, I think on one, okay, three separate teams, one's, like, dance and singing, and then there's, oh, like, right, a rap right. like, team. Yeah, yeah, rap team, dance team, and vocal team. And originally, I was so confused. I was, like, why aren't there 17 people if they're called 17? Um, <laughs> so I think four left when they were trainees, but they still kept the name yep. 17, uh, and... 
and like they somehow make it back there. It's like so, it's like there's 13 members, and then they have like the three or four teams, which equals 17. I don't know. I don't understand that. It's okay. Uh, what? It's uh. abstract. <laughs> it's like abstract, y'all. I'm so confused. I was impressed to learn that they're a group that takes such a direct approach when it comes to the creative process. I, I actually didn't know that about them. I was asking one of the members of the Snack Fever team to tell me more because I knew that we were going to discuss them. Um, she got very offended that first that I didn't know anything about them. But you were also, trying to learn. I was trying to learn. Yeah, just I, I think I expressed. A, I think I expressed a little too much surprise at the idea that they were so involved in the creative process. Yeah, they even uh, like choreograph their own dances. Yeah, I think that's I think that's incredible. That's really cool. Um, Considering that there are thirteen members and there. Oh my god, that's like a nightmare. I can't imagine. It is quite impressive, and I can only think of one other group that has had a hand in their own choreography, at least off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more. Mm. The one other group is Mama Moo, by the way. <laughs> So a group that a lot of fans have been waiting very anxiously for, NCT, one of their subunits has debuted NCT 127 with Firetruck. Yes, so NCT 127 is the second NCT unit after NCTU. Um, the 127 in the name stands for the Coordinates of Seoul, which is where they are going to promote. This unit is like supposed to represent Seoul and Korea. Uh, they came back with Firetruck. There are seven, album, uh, seven members in this unit. Uh, four of them were in CTU and three of them are new members. They have one Chinese member and one Japanese member. They are trying to like make sure they mix and really cash in on the worldwide concept. I have a question. What's the difference between you um, NTTU and 127. Like, if this one's supposed to represent Seoul, yes. is the other one not represent Seoul, even though they didn't come out with, like, say, like a Chinese version or like a Mandarin version or like another like language version? I think NCTU is supposed to be like a, an example of every unit. They might be the alpha unit that's gonna get more. Right? more uh, promotion or they are, they might have just been the uh, the first debut to show people what NCTU is supposed to be and stuff nobody knows exactly we're just trying to <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to guess it's fun very fun and to my understanding there are 15 who were SM rookies right total yes 15 eight have debuted now Nine. 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 Yeah. It's such a, like, confusing concept. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It is for everyone. I feel like quantum physics is easier to understand than whatever is going on with this group. <laughs> but I feel like that's so frustrating, like, as a fan. Like... You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if, like, your favorite member is going to be, like, kicked out of, like, the next one. I feel like that doesn't help for like building like a dedicated fan base. Yeah, it doesn't because 
they have a pretty solid fan base from their SM rookies days, but new people are pretty <laughs> reluctant to stand because they don't know what's gonna happen and it kind of sucks. They wrote their own songs for the album, some of them, like Fire Truck and Mad City are mostly written by them, which is kind of great, great for an SM group to get their stuff out already. Just gonna drop a quick mention, shout out to MZMC, Mars Music for their two cuts on the album as well, Paradise and Another World. Really proud of those guys. So we'll we'll have more content up on Music Mind coming from them. I'm great to hear. Uh, it's great to hear they compose more because I like their work. Their work. <laughs> yeah, the guy who heads up those efforts at MZMC, his name's Paul. Really great guy. Honestly, just like one of the best dudes in the game. Uh, so it's always great to see his music making the rounds. Really proud of him. So that's all the time we have for today. As always, thank you ladies so much for joining me on the cast. I feel like I learn a lot every time we tune in. And honestly, it's great for me. I, I love learning more about some of these groups that I'm not as familiar with. So thank you so much again. Yeah, you're welcome. And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners. If you liked what you heard or just want to find out more about the K-pop artists you love, be sure to find us on the web at themusicmind.com. We publish stories and other multimedia content that's written, produced, recorded, all of the above, by the artists and professionals themselves. We're also on social media. Our handle is MusicMindTeam on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to find a way to get involved with what we're doing, feel free to reach out to me directly via email at ian at themusicmind.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Ian Cho, which is spelled I-A-N-C-H-O-E. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.